episode 92 of middle of the road the podcast this week we are flashing back to 1999 to discuss the it's not a cult classic but a um, yeah it is no i it's too popular i feel like i mean it only gained steam after dvds because it was like barely in theaters yeah i i agree for this there's 217,000 reviews on imdb is that a lot I don't know. It's a Shawshank Redemption have the most seen movie on there, probably. I haven't seen that movie. Two million. <laughs> so I guess we can call that. It's only a tenth of the people have seen it. So I guess we can call that a... Uh, I guess everybody saw it in, like, the ni- from 1999 to 2004. If you were a, a boy in high school or college, you probably saw this movie. And maybe if you were a girl, too. Lauren, when did you see this movie for the first time? Um, Probably 2010 or 2011. Is when I first started dating Kyle. Ben has picked this. Did I say the title of the movie? The <laughs> I don't think name. so. <laughs> what, what if you had just said Mamma Mia? Troy Duffy starring Willem Dafoe, Sean Patrick Flannery, and Norman Reedus. And sadly, also David Della Rocco, but Rocco. But we can get into that awful catastrophe later. Why sadly? Mm-hmm. Is he a really bad person now? Well, he's a really horrible actor and terrible in this movie. So. Oh, I thought maybe he. No, I don't know if he's like done Kevin anything Spacey terrible. Or something. No. Oh no! Um, Is that just the, the verb context now? of this movie? <laughs> Might as well be. Ben, why don't you tell us a little bit about the movie and why you picked this one? Like the plot, or uh, yeah, you can give a little plot thing. Two like Catholic Irish brothers go and Catholic Irish. <laughs> Irish. Those are whatever. pretty synonymous. <laughs> they... <laughs> they start. No, they I know. Start it's just usually a, Irish Catholic. Made me laugh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They start pulling a, a Punisher and killing people they deem as evil. So you know your vigilante action thriller film. And I don't remember the first time I saw it, but I, you know, as Zach <laughs> accurately surmised, I was probably in high school. And I, to me, it was just like I think the action set pieces were really good willem dafoe was so bizarre that it just has always been in my mind as like just a movie to go back to and i you know i enjoy it but i will say this is the first time like because i haven't seen it in a couple years like wow rocco is just fucking terrible like (laughs) just the worst like every scene he's in is not it's like is mediocre to unbearable like the stuff in his apartment jesus christ like that was whew. but the rest of this movie i thoroughly enjoyed so i'm not as high on it as i used to be but i still really like it john we haven't heard from you in a few weeks so why don't you get to go here early boondock saints when did you first see it and <laughs> how are you holding up 10 years 20 years later yeah it's it's interesting i think that period of time that you described zach was maybe the exact period of time when i saw this and at the time i this opinion was highly informed by like the group of friends 
who I was forming at the time, who have ended up becoming some of my best friends to this day. So at the time, I, I, I loved the movie. I would have put it in my top five, maybe. As I've matured, quote unquote matured. Debatable. It has definitely, yeah, exactly. Maybe I should say, as my movie appreciation and criticism has matured, this Debatable. movie has no, most, <laughs> most definitely left the top five. So then the question for me was whether or not I was going to enjoy it on a rewatch, because I'm not sure if I've seen it since that time period. And at first, I don't know, I at first it was hard for me to get into, because a lot of the movie seemed very amateurish, and then... Over time, like over time, meaning as I was watching the film, I started to warm up to some aspects of it and started to warm up to the like, you know what, for like a, maybe a low budget first timer. I forget whether or not you said, was this his first movie? Um, I believe so. Yeah. Like there's there's some charming aspects of it in that sense. Arguably, I actually didn't mind Rocco. Like I get that he's a problematic character for sure, but... I think the actor like fully throws himself into that like stereotype or archetype to the point where it's like just enjoyable enough for me. That being said, bold statement. No, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I think the acting is fine. I just think the character oh, no, himself the, is just the acting terrible. is horrendous. He's playing it at like a billion, and everybody else is. Not. I don't know. I could. I would say everyone's playing it at a billion. No, well, fair I think enough, the brother. The brothers are. I think the Flannery. Oh. I, I don't I, just wait till in... we get to a certain death scene later in the movie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can't believe you fucking did that. There, the aspect of like kind of once it gets into the format of we arrive at the crime and William Defoe tries to break it down, and then we also see like afterwards like the flashback to how it actually happened. Like I thought, I thought that was a unique style and like a a, a fun way to tell this crime drama. And so there, yeah, overall, there are parts that I genuinely enjoyed. And even, like, even the cinematography, while also seeming, like, kind of juvenile and amateurish, um, I, like, I didn't mind. But I think, I think for the audience that it is, and this is interesting because I think when we get to Fight Club, this is the argument that Cat and... Jocelyn. I can't think of Cat and Jasmine, excuse me, thanks Lauren, have against Fight Club, which I don't have against Fight Club, but I do for this movie. I think the demographic that this movie is like arguably geared towards, I think the overall movie is has a negative effect on that demographic and I don't think is justified with anything it does. In the glorification of the violence and misogyny misogyny yeah homophobia uh, and and just the graphic nature of all of that and like the uh, exaggerated nature of all of that but this movie is embracing that fight club is a satire this is like isn't this cool i mean i okay i i don't i don't necessarily agree with you though because at the end with the whole news channel sequence the movie shows both sides i mean you could argue that maybe it that is the only point of the movie that it shows that no this is true but maybe but for me i think i remember also watching it as a teenager i do remember the kind of oh wait like this movie seemed like it was like justifying or celebrating like these characters the entire time but now it's presenting like two points of view 
which one do I actually line up with? And so I, I don't remember it feeling so uneven, even though it, you could argue that way. A, as a teenager, I don't remember feeling that. Yeah, but but w- at what point in this movie before the end credits does it stop and ask, should we be doing this? No, exactly. But that's what that's what I'm saying, Zach, is that even though it doesn't do that, when I got to the end credits and I was watching that sequence, it felt more even and balanced. And it felt like almost like a message of like, oh, maybe I should go back and watch this all within a different lens of like, how should I actually feel about what they're doing? And so, and I will say, actually, they... They do kind of ask that with William Defoe's character, sort of. And again, they they take it in one direction, and they they it almost makes it seem as if they are advocating for one one trajectory. But I mean, William Defoe clearly makes the choice that it's okay. Yeah, but I think it is supposed to be satire. I think that's kind of like it's it's I, just. I think he thinks it's satire. Yeah, I honestly I I, couldn't I, tell watching the movie what it was trying to say like what tone it was going for yeah because they're like i can't tell you the amount of like amount of times we quoted like as teenagers the prayer to each other as friends or like we would fake tattoo like veritas and aquitas like on our fingers i was right i was so right that this was a john movie last week i predicted it was a it was a john teenager movie (laughs) lauren go I said it last week on the podcast. I'm sure I've said it before. It was like when Kyle made me watch this movie because it was like one of his favorites. And I remember just watching this movie, like looking at him out of the corner of my eye, like, why are you doing this to me? But (laughs) (laughs) it's just, I didn't enjoy it. Like just from the moment the opening credits start and the editing is just so stupid. And like, Mm -hmm. I'm assuming duffy hates feminism or something because he just punches the woman in the face or whatever but it's like it's just not an easy film to enjoy because i don't understand who these characters are i guess we're just supposed to believe that jesus spoke to them and that's what the whole point of this movie that's all their motivation who does spe- it's who's the vo- it's like like i thought it was the priest just hearing it but it? i don't know there's a it few was, people yeah, that talked to them the in that baptism It was the Duke's. Scene. The voiceover was the Duke. So yeah. then the Duke was speaking to them, or the Duke is Il their Duce, dad? Isn't is it he Duce? their dad? Yeah, he's their he's their yeah. dad. Yeah. Okay. okay. That was the whole like the the prayers of family prayer, and then he yeah. he knew it. But it was so. just such a like it's so stupid, and I didn't enjoy like any of the characters except I did appreciate how much Willem Dafoe was seemingly enjoying his character. <laughs> Yeah, it's just, I was pretty bored with it. Not eyes wide shut bored, but it was just, (laughs) (laughs) didn't enjoy it. And like, I, I do agree with John in the editing thing where it was fun for like the first one or two when we went to a crime scene and Willem Dafoe was explaining what he thought happened. And then we get to see what actually happened and whether or not it was anywhere near what he believed it to be in the professionalism and all that. But it's like, he kept using that and it's like it just felt very clear that this was a a first movie for someone what did i just see recently that had weird editing were we talking was that something ben and i both saw what like similarly like it was jumping around but like had no reason for it Um, anna oh anna yeah anna yeah they it was a similar structure to that and i i get it's like interesting and, like, maybe it was a little bit more original 
but yeah. then it's also 20 post, years ago but it's also post <laughs> pulp fiction which i'm sure this has been called a tarantino ripoff which it clearly is like i agree totally with lauren like i i, I i'll give the movie this i think there's an interesting idea there about the vigilantism that it just doesn't go for at all. I think Flannery and Reedus are both on board to play this movie at one at a certain speed that the it just decides to go completely over the top of with everything. For the but, life of me, I couldn't tell if Reedus was doing a good accent or not. He was not. No, he was <laughs> okay. not. He was falling in and out of it. And this was yeah. something uh, Kat and Jocelyn brought up in I High Bylight that I was like, I don't remember No, Jocelyn that. wasn't on this episode. Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right, yeah. And as soon as I watched it, I noticed I was like, Norman Reedus is doing a really shitty job at doing an Irish accent. I was like, maybe he's just been in America longer than Sean Patrick Flannery's character has. (laughs) But to the character point, like, why couldn't they... There is zero character development in this movie outside Defoe. Like, Defoe's the only one that gets some sort of thought process and we spend time with him and get to know what he's thinking. Every other scene in this movie is either the next plot scene or it's Duffy trying to do like a Tarantino-esque comedy dialogue in between the plot and it failing miserably, I think at most turns, or it's us spending time with Rocco, which is just in a, like, I don't understand why this movie and this script loves this character or or why the brothers do he is completely give us a reason why like we don't know why they love him as much as they do he's like, the fall guy that's why they keep him around. <laughs> but he's not they were on board no to i know like alive. i don't i know i don't yeah, understand I know, I know, you know but it's just like it's, it's like they they definitely don't give a reason why it's like why he's their friend as opposed to one of their next victims yeah um, yes. the... i think because <laughs> i think because the the film does i would say a a good job at portraying like uh the saints or the brothers do genuinely have this like uh, code what'd you say a code a code and like a a general compassion towards the marginalized and kind of like the lower status and it seems in every aspect rocco is lower status within the mafia because I mean, he's never done anything. He's driven people around. He hasn't. He hasn't killed anybody, from what I can tell, until this. Well, I don't movie. think the McManus brothers had either. Like, I don't even understand. Are yeah. they? Is there an Irish mob no. in this movie, so, or are they just random people? They're just random people, and I think it's like the the their first interaction with those Russian mobsters in the bar just kind of is the the catalyst for their crusade. Well, I thought the catalyst and, was suddenly being spoken to while laying in prison or jail. Well, I think that that helped it along. Yes. Um, <laughs> but I think that was more them. I don't think they were really being spoken to. I think it was them like contemplating the while they're dead. The narrated. way they woke up, though, made it very yeah. apparent to me that it was like a message from God. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. But I don't think it was that particular. I don't think well, it was see, their that's dad, the problem. The we marriage. don't know how to interpret any yeah. of this. <laughs> I mean, okay, I, but maybe that's, maybe that ambiguity is actually kind of like, so regardless of the influence or the actual, like very verifiable 
um direction like is are the are the actions of these two like good or not like because i i feel like if the movie was trying to say or if the movie was more clear about like they had an actual vision or like message from god then it for sure would be trying to justify it but then there's part of the like well how do you feel about anyone who justifies their convictions or their actions through this deep conviction that they that's based on their belief system like how do you how do you really hold those like can you hold anything against them really or should you or is it depend on what actions they take like well the scene in the confessional is it, like between the baptism whatever you want to call it scene, vision scene that we're talking about and then that scene with defoe and the confessional towards the end like the movie doesn't discuss religion at all in between those two scenes and that's why it but like take out Rocco and have these guys dealing with this religious I don't know like the religious quandary of this all that would have been an interesting movie but it felt like instead of kind of taking a more thoughtful approach like that every turn it's like how can we make this more kooky and over the top and the the, the the rationale was, well, let's just throw this Rocco guy in here and just have him scream and yell every fucking second and just be an absurdist and an awful human being and then play everything for laughs. And it, it destroys the movie. Like, it destroys the movie. Destroys the movie like he destroyed a cat. <laughs> but I agree. There is this inkling of an idea in there, especially with the relig- religiosity of everything. And, like, it also... I don't know if it gets into, like, Defoe almost uses it as an excuse for wanting to his, you know, he doesn't give a shit what religion says, but the fact that he gets this priest to admit that maybe it's okay. But like okay, but okay. Was, was that, wait, are you saying I believe that... the priest was actually coming up with, like he was rational. He wasn't just saying what was supposed to be said. I don't think like, I, I don't, it felt to me that he was like, he had this like side to him, like, yeah, I guess if God is telling them to do this, then it's okay, no, I, because his I, law... I don't that, know. That's not how I inter- I interpreted because he felt threatened by Rocco and and Flannery, whichever brother it was. I, I think it like... was... I think it was, like, a bit of both. Because at the beginning, at the beginning, he's, he was saying something along the lines of, like, well, no one can judge except God, and then Rocco, like, forced the gun back into his, like, back or head or something like that, and he cut him off. I don't think there was a strong religious justification um, for it, even though that is how the brothers had interpreted it. Well, yeah, it felt like when Willem Dafoe came to his conclusion in the confessional, the priest, he, like, started to say something else. Like, wait, no, no, but it, like, cut off at the end. Yeah. So maybe you're right. But the movie definitely falls on the side of religious... Like, that's fully what they believe in at the end of the movie, is that, like, every religion has given them the right to do this. The speech in the very beginning to start this movie was about people, the good doing nothing, because mm-hmm. you watch some woman get raped, so mm-hmm. it was very pro-do-something. Yeah. And then I think the question, the the movie is actually, like, asking of the audiences, well, these brothers are doing something, how do we feel about it? And... 
I don't think the movie's asking. Again, I think you're giving way too much credence to the end of this. This the fact that they threw this newsreel thing at the end of the movie, like. I mean, the movie I is not I having that conversation. That. I think, but but I think Defoe, it is at the Defoe end, yeah. acts, and Defoe in the midway in that scene that we're talking about acts as that conduit for it too. But Defoe, his character is so all over the place and so psychotic by this yeah, point. Yeah, he was like off his rocker. You don't. He, he's not. He is not. A, he. I don't know. His, his thought. What he's thinking at by that point of the movie doesn't seem rational to me well I d- and i do love how like the the progression of from the very first scene you see him like put his headphones on and listening classical music and kind of waltzing throughout very like gingerly but then by the end when you're at there was a firefight yeah like, he's, he's shooting he's, he's his like, gun just... off into the air on a crime scene at a crime scene <laughs> and... <laughs> i loved that i'm not gonna lie it was it was dumb but i loved it well in the little detail that like he's not wearing the headphones anymore but there's this anthemic choir and orchestral background music playing it's almost as if he doesn't need the headphones to hear that play out in his head as he's like envisioning what happened like it's i think it's very powerful in terms of portraying his his psychosis yeah i really thought he was gonna lick the pole or the column on the (laughs) the blood the patio yeah because at that point he was just so far gone he ended up just smelling it and it was ammonia or whatever but it's like i really thought he was gonna lick it and be like yep blood <laughs> yeah that was also like the only woman with a speaking role in the movie the only one that was any amount of respectable was the newscaster like the no, reporter that's true. everyone else, every other woman in this movie is just like uh it was so annoying. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that blood analysts are like, they're basically like, you fucking idiot. You don't know. Yeah, she needed like, someone else to do her job for her. <laughs> we had that. We had the drugged out people who didn't even know what her cat's name was or what color it was. <laughs> we have the, 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 stripper. the stripper who gets molested. Uh, yeah. Another great moment And is for played Rocco. for a giant laugh line. Yeah. Like, I mean, there? I was ready to turn the movie off at that point. I was so done with Rocco. I was just like, this is absurd that this is happening. And then I think the only other women we really see are the nuns in the beginning. Like, one had gotten Who beaten are... up, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Why did that nun get beat up? <laughs> well, you know, America. <laughs> I gotta be honest. I still, like, even with, like, and I'm not trying to, you know, disparage the stuff you're saying. Because, like, these are all, you know, flaws I can see. I, for the most part, I still enjoyed the hell out of this movie. Like, but Rocco's I, there. If you if you can accept the fact that Rocco is horrible, he's in eighty percent of the movie. <laughs> yeah, but he's not the focus of the, that eighty sure? percent. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he is. They he talks more than anybody in this. David movie. Della Roca definitely thinks he's the main character. <laughs> <laughs> what well, what was the line? Well, he's certainly gone across the diversity of the word. <laughs> Illustrate, illustrated yeah, the diversity. Did you guys know saying the word fuck is hilarious? I forgot I what the was, tally was, I but was I think funny. it was somewhere around 250 uses. <laughs> I will say, one of the running gags that I did love was the the cop who kept being bad at his job. Yeah. And William Defoe <laughs> always like being like, hey, does anyone else want anything else when Dunley like, runs out to grab me a coffee or something like that? And like the one part where it's just like, how many bodies what are there? What if it was... He's like, eight. He's like, are you sure? Oh, nine. I forgot to check behind the couch. That doesn't count. Well, I just, I love at that last crime scene where it's just like, what if it was one guy with six guns? <laughs> so he was actually right on that one. So weird. But yeah, I did, I did like the, um, 
dynamic between all the officers on these crime scenes. Yeah, again, like, if it was just the back and forth between the brothers doing what they're doing and... Willem Dafoe and the other Willem Dafoe other and what detectives. they're doing. And maybe Willem Dafoe doesn't go off the fucking deep end. Like, halfway through the movie, he's just decided. He must have finally got to see what the Rocco actor was doing. He's like, wait, wait, wait. That's the movie we're making? Oh, okay. Yeah, I, 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 I could... <laughs> for you three males, did you find Willem Dafoe as a woman attractive? No. <laughs> it's like... He looked like E.T. dressed as a woman. But I think that's the absurd, like, this whole movie is absurd, and, like, that world is absurd, so I could go with someone finding her him attractive, But th- But guess. that's the thing, like, the movie, the movie, that tone, it, it's a tonal mess. Like, it doesn't, yes, the movie gets absurd at times, but I, I just don't know how we're supposed to take that scene, and then isn't it, I don't know, is it offensive? I mean, I guess this is a post-pre-woke world movie. So I can at least give them that much credit. But well, I can, it's, I can. It's, it's definitely, it definitely has not aged well at all. That's yeah. for sure. Um, but I mean, again, I still think it's just it's a credit to Willem Def- Willem Dafoe and like how just crazy he went with this role, like how into it he he got, you know. But I also think the Duffy again, just to slag on Duffy some more, is I think the way he's like, well. Like, it was super progressive to make D- Defoe a gay man in this movie. But like, then he but hated then, like, himself. make all the homophobia <laughs> jokes. Yeah. He hates gay people at every turn. Well, I saw that as, like, like, he's a self-hating I saw that as, it's like, man. I have a gay person in my movie, so love me, but secretly this is how I feel about them. <laughs> well, and if you really want to, like, just slag on uh, Duffy, apparently there's a documentary about him in this movie where apparently he's a horrible human being yeah he doesn't even like keanu reeves he got his foot like right (laughs) through the door of hollywood and then he just like shat on everybody who helped get him there and then they closed the door on him and shunned him which you know rightfully so but also it kind of sucks that like when he premiered it at the cane like no one picked it up and so when he did finally like sign a contract for distribution the contract included no like compensation towards anyone who had worked on the movie and so it sucks that once this became a cult film no one including the cast including the production team and him got a like that's still we can we can tell movies work usually (laughs) you make your movie and then you sell it it's very rare that a lot of people get back end stuff even today yeah royalties and all is the sequel what is the sequel did did either of you i, I imagine lauren hasn't seen it oh god um, no but john and ben is what, what's your thoughts on the sequel it definitely eases up on the the homophobia and the misogyny although i mean it definitely has i mean to duffy's credit as well like homophobia and misogyny are like baked into boston culture uh but yeah but i mean they're still carrying on willem dafoe is replaced by like a protege of his um and she's she's good for what you know for her role and they kind of have i'm trying to remember the guy's name uh let me see if i can find him here clifton collins jr is kind of this mexican guy that they meet and he's basically their their rocco and he's there's definitely some pretty not PC things towards Mexican culture in it, but shocking. I know, right? <laughs> uh, 
but he's he's a much better character than Rocco. That's um, an exceptionally Jewish? exceptionally low bar, I know. <laughs> but I actually like this guy. Like he was actually a fun character, mm. and he played off of the brothers a lot better than than Instead Rocco of just did as well. Bulldozing through everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what they also bring back all three of the detectives. So it it is. I mean, they the the cast enjoyed it enough that they all came back. Um, and For the so record, this, um, my IMDb score. Sorry, I'm just looking at this. At one point was an eight. I did ooh. appreciate this movie back in the day. So I've come around on it. It was a three on Letterbox when I looked at it before I rated it today at a half star. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been a downward spiral for this movie. <laughs> I mean, I I still I mean, like... at the very least, at least it's better than Winter Soldier. Am I right? <laughs> Ooh, I will cut you from neck to scrotum. <laughs> no, that was guys. That was a sarcastic joke about my rating of Winter Soldier, oh, which is we a fantastic know. I moment. don't find it funny, <laughs> I just want to make sure no one gets that I actually don't like Winter Soldier. I do like Winter Soldier. <clears throat> Not according to Letterboxd. You need to fix it. <laughs> is it still until, until Homecoming surpasses it, I'm not fixing it. <laughs> but, it, I mean, I can, I can definitely see people not enjoying this movie, and I, I'm sorry I... Forced you guys oh, you to, to rewatch. For making, not the fine. worst movie I've been forced to watch this year so far. Uh, are we still up on uh, what do you call it, Waterboy? Oh God. <laughs> was Waterboy this year or last year? It's all running together. I think it was this year. I this think, movie's yeah. way more offensive than Waterboy. I think. Yes, but I think it's like if this movie was made now, I definitely would have more problems with it. But like Zach said, it's pre woke, and that's not. It's I'm not trying woke. to. I'm not trying to pre woke or pretty woke. No, pre woke. Okay. As if woke Um, is like an era in like society. It is. I would say. I I mean, mean, this movie can never get made today. No one would ever make this movie today. Yeah. But yeah, in the '90s, yeah, go right ahead. You can do whatever the fuck you want. And I think like, I still like. I mean, I've always had it kind of as like a guilty pleasure film, um, Mm -hmm. and it still is. Like, it's definitely not as great as i remember it like but i still i still i'll rewatch this movie when saint patty's rolls around again uh do you watch the sequel on all saints day i should alternate shouldn't i just do like back and forth but i did rewatch the sequel last night and i enjoyed that as well i just know i'm gonna keep an eye out from now on for movies to see if any other movie out there has a larger jesus on the cross than this movie did at the beginning That thing was giant. <laughs> yeah. What was up with them just doing whatever the fuck they wanted in that church? Yeah, like, thing? why like, were they seemingly so important to the community already? Because, like, people were just pointing at, like, the one priest was just kind of confused what they were doing. And it seemed like everyone else already, like, revered them. I mean, I think it was just, like, visual exposition on establishing the place in this community that, in terms of, like, maybe their reverence for their faith was highly respected and even their place within the community. I mean, that's what, that's what the whole meat packing scene was for. Right. Even though. Yeah. What was the point of that scene? <laughs> just to, show, to show that they're they part of the community. Yeah. yeah. They're hilarious and love to beat each other up with meat that eventually someone else has to eat. <laughs> it was so, I hated I, the opening credits were so stupid. The did they, ha- did so they eventually, they probably, is that where they got the pneumonia idea? A, no- a, no- a, no- 
ammonia ammonia ideal from idea don't, don't, didn't they use to spray me with ammonia <laughs> ammonia idea no i have no idea where they got that from it's like suddenly they were just really great yeah crime scene experts yeah well that could be part of it when did they have time to like fix the crime scene they show that just them spraying it yeah i don't know it just came out of nowhere Again, this scene, the movie does never stops to explain anything. It just moves, unless Willem Dafoe's talking. And then he's just telling us something that we're also seeing, that we could have seen the first time. I don't know. It's a it's a big mess. <laughs> I, well, I liked the, that, like John said too, I liked that kind of, that style. Willem Dafoe was talking about how it went down, and then we get to see it as well. I will like, say, I, I really appreciated it. I don't remember, I think it might have, was it that one? Like, you would see the scene happening around Willem Dafoe as he's walking through the crime happening. Like, at one point, they opened a garage door. Or they went in a garage. And, and he's he there, out. yeah. yeah. I did appreciate it that time, but most of the time, it was, like, old hat at that point. It's like, okay, get a new thing to use. There's a sequence in the second one where it's almost... I mean, it's pretty much breaking the fourth wall. Like, one of the characters talks... Kind of talks to another character. Um, which was actually kind of interesting, but... And by the end, it got super tiring, but Troy Duffy loves his fade to blacks. Yeah, no, but they're terrible. It's just like, so it's like, oh, I don't know what to do now. Oh, just, we're going to end this scene right yeah, here. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. It was like, it was very clear this was someone's first movie. Yeah, it's like, he was using like that old version of Windows Movie Maker that <laughs> like, I used to edit like school projects on. And like the only transition <laughs> he liked was the fade to black one. It was the, the the weirdest use of it was after the cat died, they're like freaking out, screaming and yelling. It fades to black and then it fades back in and they're all like passed out on the ground. And then actually that might there's like the one actually might have been the best scene of the movie. And the one moment where Rocco was tolerable was when him and Flannery were like talking about, hey, you might have got set up, dude. And like everyone's being reserved and calm. But then by the end of the scene. They're, like, yelling at him and, like, pissed off at him for being dumb. And then the next scene, they call him on the phone call. He's like, oh, are you okay, man? It was just, like, an emotional roller coaster that this movie just has no dramatic through line for the characters. It's just each scene, someone's bringing a different energy. And, oh, God. I still find, I found Rocco's death scene hilarious. Just how much they were screaming over it. It was so crazy. That's when I was saying, it. it's like, at some point, the McManus brothers were definitely over the top in their acting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes, I agree. And it's also just, that scene just falls so flat yeah. because it's supposed to be like, the beloved Rocco's dead. No! It's like, Everybody's no, this is good to... for you guys. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually, <laughs> arguably, I the part that I enjoyed about that scene was not Rocco's, or like, I did I wasn't like empathetic towards Rocco's death. But I think it was probably the best expression of what he really meant to those brothers. And I I think the actors, Norman Reedus and uh, Sean Patrick, whatever. Uh, Flannery. Flannery did a really good job. <laughs> John's just Captain Contrarian today. The um, But I agree that would have I think their level of emotion could have been OK if we knew why they liked this guy in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. See, but I, I don't know. That was that was clearly conveyed to me. Like, we all have that friend who maybe, or at least used to have that friend. Or I don't have do. friends. Who killed yeah, a cat. Fair enough. Um, 
No, who like I shouldn't be I shouldn't be arguing against this right now. You've killed a cat before, that's why you shouldn't be arguing against it. No, it's like because he is a shit heel, but the it the I cared about his death because the brothers did. Like I that was impactful enough for me. See, I didn't because I didn't connect to any of the characters whatsoever. Except the cat. I will. I will say I did laugh at uh, Rocco's line though, and he's just like, "Is it dead?" Like, yeah, it got exploded. Yeah, I don't think that's how bullets work, by the way. Yeah, I also just no, really the liked at the end when the three, like the two brothers and the dad, have the guns mm-hmm. to the back of the dude's head. It's like they have two um, pistols with silencers on it, and the dad just has a shotgun to the back of yeah, the guy's there's head. There's nothing left of that guy's head afterwards. <laughs> also. That scene makes no sense whatsoever. Why would you? Ha- they were already being. They were already these urban vigilante legends. Why would you ever go out in the public unmasked. to announce yourself to public like that, unmasked, terrifying people? They're like, you have to look at this. Like they, they're turning borderline evil. The dad is corrupting them a little bit. There is that, but they don't. Again, well, they don't I think get it's. Into that. I think they're just trying to put the fear, of fear of God. Like they really want people to like be. Af- they want people to be afraid of them, even even the good people, so they're not tempted to be bad. <sighs> okay. Also, they would never get this Duke dude out to kill Rocco. How is it so hard to kill Rocco? What kind of mob people are these people? They that were in they trouble can't killing the brothers. Take out. This, but I mean, but like, they didn't even try to kill Rocco. They went straight to the biggest fucking gun that they had. Yeah, instead that of, bothered me too. It, I mean, it's it's little, it's nitpicky pot stuff, but it just made no sense when you're when you're this down on the movie. It just sticks out like a sore thumb. Uh, also, like tangential to that, Carlo Rota completely forgot he was in that movie, and was also kind of confused because. The only things I've seen him in have been in, like, either a vague or explicit, like, him playing a, someone of Middle Eastern or, like, Persian or Arabic descent. So to see, so to see him do, like, an Italian accent, I was like, this seems odd. Wait, Plus, who are you talking seem... about? What character? The mob boss. The mob okay. boss. Um, but then I looked it up, and apparently he is actually of Italian descent, which I guess is interesting, because then I guess Mediterranean... Maybe you have some leeway in portraying Middle Eastern character. I don't know. But also, this is pure tangential. He is actually married to an Indian actress whose name is Nazneen Contractor. Like, her last name is fully... She filled out her immigration forms wrong. Yeah. He's British. He was born in England. He said descent. He didn't say he was. Okay, I was just reading yeah. it. He was born in the UK, but raised in Italy, Hong Kong, Bahamas, and Canada. Let's see. I, I wrote a lot of fucking notes while I was watching this movie. <laughs> yeah, the editing in the beginning was so weird, too. I, 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 I That was where I was like, right off the get-go. I was, I was like, like, I oh, already man, hate this. This, <laughs> this is not I hated this movie by the opening title card. But it was just like, they had these random scenes that all they were just randomly inserting the credit i don't know like it just guys again he was editing this on 95 version (laughs) windows movie maker and you can't overlay a credit in that so you have to do it just an entirely new scene and fade to black also the dump on the editing at the beginning like when the defoe's talking about in the 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 bull room of (laughs) the the, defoe 
The Defoe. <laughs> um, he and not the, the one, friend. The, the one dude <laughs> is the the bad detective is like saying they're so far away. You're never, you know, they ruined the joke by showing them walking up the steps. Why did he show that? They they should have just walked in. And it would have been a hell of a lot funnier moment. It, Yeah, it was just, again, like we're three scenes into the movie and it just shows how bad Duffy is as a Why were they director. living where they were living? <laughs> yeah, I don't, Why they are they squatters? A decent what, paying job. I need to know everything about these brothers. Give me their backstory. <laughs> yeah, like is working in the meatpacking industry not enough money for them to have a halfway Not if decent you have to pay one for or two better place destroy in the process <laughs> contaminate i also love and by love i mean despise the timeline swooshing sound that they randomly inserted <laughs> every time they like flash back in time also the big fucking russian dude when they fall from the ceiling like what was going on with that guy's a performance b prosthetic c fat suit he was wearing yeah, the fat suit. <laughs> so it was like, so random. Was, like, why I did he have to be this way? I didn't way? even notice that. I couldn't tell. He just Same. looked super disproportionate. Yeah, go back and what he's a weird, it's weird. He's saying things like death to America in vague, not really Russian, I think. They also tortured those first mob bosses they killed. Yeah. Which is, are like, before they, yeah. So, I guess this was in him. It was just weird to have them be torturers and then be sympathetic with them. I I, guess, I know they're the bad guys they were Burning torturing. someone's butt is super funny. <laughs> and what if you would have farted? That would have just made it even better. It yes. would have just a little poof of... Um, as someone who has actually experienced... <laughs> Had their butt lit on fire? Please tell me this has happened. B- is that what they're called? Yeah. It is, it is not good. Oh, also, Ron Jeremy's in this movie, and he's oh, yeah. horrible. Well, Who's that's Ron why, that's Jeremy? He he's the guy who was at, got shot to death at the strip club, or the, whatever you want to call it, I guess it was a strip ben, club. Ben tried to act like he doesn't know who Ron Jeremy is. No, who, wait, he was the... He was the guy the, who went in and got shot at the strip club. Oh, yeah, that guy was gross. It was also weird. They talked about those two other guys. Like, I've wanted to kill this guy for a while now, and we have no idea who it was. Like, one of the brothers was like, this one's mine. It was one of the two other people who were there after they killed Ron Jeremy. No, the that was the... Rocco killed the other two. Just I know they fun. did eventually, but at one point, one of the brothers was like, this guy's mine. It's like, why is he yours? Oh, I don't remember that. But yeah, that was pretty upsetting, that paying a sex worker money for their hard work was a punishable by death apparently yeah like that, that was, was the a, thing like they have these convictions but then i have absolutely no idea why they're killing some of these people <laughs> yeah the how do you fuck? not know ben, that ben has ben googles are on jeremy hilarity <laughs> I, did. News. I love how that's in your his- search history now uh, yeah, also the inward scene Jesus. was like the, so it was stupid. definitely like Duffy so was like, stupid. oh, Tarantino used the N-word a couple of times. I'm just going to use it as much as possible in this scene with no black people in the whole. Yeah, it was. Oh, God. So, Ben and John, you're still both recommending this movie? Yep. Soft recommend. See it once for the sake of seeing it and then never see it again. I'm fine with yeah, I wouldn't, it. Yeah, I wouldn't say like it's an amazing movie, but I'd like I enjoyed it, you know. I had to pay to rent this. I didn't watch it before last night. When Dude, it went it's left Netflix. It's on net. It's uh, <laughs> it got it taken left, off. No, it John. left. It's not on there today. It's gone. 
We, are you we serious? Jacked. Yeah, yesterday yep. was the last day you could watch it on Netflix. I used to own this on DVD, but I think I got rid of it at some point because I was like, I'm sick of this fucking movie. I think the boon, my appreciation of the Boondock Saints when I was younger and I was an up-and-coming movie lover was very peer pressure based. Everybody says this movie's good. I guess it's good. I don't know. I was reaching for the good parts of it, and now I can just watch it and see it for the awful piece of shit that it is. Okay, so that's going to do it for the Boondock Saints. We have two recommendish recommendations. Is it too late to change one of my 2009 entries to the sequel? Because that also came out. You know, no. That was 10 years ago. We're not doing I'll that. I'll skip that week. <laughs> Next week, we are jumping back into the MCU for Spider-Man Far From Home. Maybe I'll finally learn to love Spider-Man in that movie. Yeah, I'm I know I'm not. kind of a broken record with calling you dead inside. But you hating Miss Peter Parker is really dead inside. I don't. I do yeah, not hate. I know. I think Tom Holland's great. I love Tom Holland. As Zach Peter hates Spider Man and is therefore a terrible human being. I just don't being. have he wants the emotional. Him to die. I don't have the pre. Yeah. Like yeah. everybody, there's so many people that just have no matter what Spider Man can do no wrong. Um. Did you see to- or Tobey Maguire? <laughs> Spider Man can do I, a lot of wrong. <laughs> But you're you're in the yeah, minority the with me that think those 3. movies aren't good. No, though you mean the best of the Raimi Spider-Man movies. God. Oh my God, you are a mess. You, you are, are the worst. Literally, no, he 2 does. Is the That's best. why he likes I'm, it because it's so not Spider-Man. It's the most. He's so anti-Spider-Man. His favorite Spider-Man movie is like anti-Spider-Man. It's yeah. not my favorite spider I think the last one's my fa- Homecoming's my favorite Spider-Man movie. Sp- Spider-Man Two. Spider-Man 2 is fine. It what is... about... Whoa. Hold on. What about uh, Spider-Verse? Spider-Man... Spider-Verse got even better the second time I watched it. It's good. Yeah, so, like, but Homecoming's I... still better for you? They're, they're probably neck and neck. Maybe Spider-Verse is maybe a little higher. So, last MCU movie. Officially, I think this is the official last movie of the Infinity... Phase. I don't know. Like, every single... Every single story I read, it's like, this is this tied into the MCU. Then every the next story's like, they didn't know what the fuck was happening in Endgame when they made this movie. And it's like, which which one is it? What's the story here? I don't Well, I think it. they say, so they say Endgame is the end of the Infinity Saga, but this is the end of the phase. So go see Spider-Man Far From Home. That's what we're seeing. Um, until then, I'm Zach Goldenberg find me wherever you can find at Zach Oldenburg. You can find us at middleofrow.com. Go rate and review us. And I'm Ben Grigsby. You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at the Grigsby Bear. And you can find all of us on Facebook at Middle of the Row. I'm Jonathan Rahul and you can find me on Twitter at another Rahul J. And you can also follow us on Twitter at Middle of Row. And I'm Lauren Hamboy. You can find me on Twitter at Beware of Trees, and you can find us on Tumblr at middleofrow.tumblr.com. Thanks for listening. Go watch Spider-Man Far From Home, and remember, the best seats are in the middle of the road. Bye.